following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Proverbs. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. Hear the word of the Lord from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, 22, and 32 to 33. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Justin, if you're just joining with us, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I want to pray, and then we're going to jump in to study God's Word together this morning. Father, um, we just invite you here. Uh, We thank you for giving us your Word that we can study to know um, who you are, to know who we are, to know how you've made the world and how to live a life that honors you. And so I pray this morning that you would help me. Uh, that you would think through my mind and you would uh, speak through my vocal cords that it would be all of you and none of me. I pray that you would help us hear and help us grow in uh, this thing called wisdom. Uh, I pray that you would uh, help us towards that end. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you are new here, we are just beginning a new study and a sermon series on the book of Proverbs. And I am personally Really excited about this series because here it is. Proverbs contains the secret sauce for the good life, okay? Let me give you a quick quick example from my own life. And I normally don't do this and I hesitate to do it this morning, but I'm going to do it no matter what. Uh, Last Sunday was my 40th birthday. All right. Well, several of you kindly asked me how I was doing. You kind of had a concerned look on your face last week as your 40th birthday, I guess, can be kind of tragic for a lot of people. Uh, But almost to my own surprise, I wasn't really struggling with my age. I didn't have feelings of regret or remorse or a sense that I wasn't where I should be by this time in my life. Instead, I, I had a profound sense of gratefulness. I felt settled, happy, and genuinely blessed. Now, what was so surprising for me was this was not how my 30th birthday went. When I turned 30, I had all kinds of issues. I took stock of my life on my 30th birthday, and I was not happy with what I saw. I wasn't happy with my character. I wasn't happy with my career as a youth pastor, even though I was leading one of the largest youth ministries in the Midwest. I was 
moderately successful outwardly, but inwardly I was shallow, foolish, and really full of pride. I didn't have many close friends. My, my marriage uh, to my wife was, was honestly a little shallow. In a strange way, turning 30 caused me to do some deep soul work. It caused me to ask myself some deep questions. What kind of man does God want me to become? What kind of work does God want me to do? What should I give myself to this next decade so I don't waste my life, so I don't end up on my 40th birthday just having an exaggerated experience of what I already had on my 30th birthday? The answer to those questions, surprisingly, is found in the art of cultivating wisdom. The art of cultivating wisdom. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. The reason my 40th birthday was so good, or really uneventful, honestly, and it didn't bring about this emotional calamity that my 30th birthday did, was that I could honestly look back over my life, over my last decade, and review it and say, by the grace of God, I've done what he's asked me to do. I have been pursuing this thing called wisdom, and it's had a profound effect on me. I am not the man that I was when I was 30. Proverbs 1.33 says, whoever listens to me, listens to wisdom, will dwell secure and be at ease without dread of disaster. See, on my 30th birthday, I got a quick snapshot, a quick glimpse of my own foolishness, my own ignorance, my own shallowness, and I got a sense that God was asking me to grow up into this biblical thing called wisdom and now on my 40th birthday, looking back, I can honestly say that for the past decade, I've been on that path. And therefore, I'm not the same man I was when I was 30. God kind of, here's what God wanted me to focus on this past decade. First off, he, he wanted me to focus on theology. Knowing him in a more biblical way. And so I gave myself to studying theology. I got a couple of degrees. I finished Porterbrook. I, I read between 50 and 75 books a year, most of them on theology, right? I, I, I gave myself to studying the nature of God, reading scripture, studying who God is and what he's like so I could come to know him in a more intimate, a more personal, personal and a more thorough way in line with who he actually is, not who I want him to be. Secondly, God called me to become a man whose character outpaced his skill and talent. I think it was, I don't remember who it was. I'm going to say it's John Wooden, but I don't really know. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you can Google it and find out. I think it was John Wooden who says that talent can get you to the top, but it takes character to keep you there. We're experts in our society at getting really good at something to get us to the top only to have our character dethrone us, ruin our life. God said, I want you to become a, character, a man whose character outpaces his skill and his talent. God said, I want you to grow as a faithful, loving husband and as a father. 
I had one kid on my 30th birthday, made three more since then. <laughs> Praise God. I, God kind of gave me this idea that I, I, on my deathbed, on my, at the end of my life, I want to be loved most by those who know me the best. That means I have to prioritize the relationships of those closest to me over those that simply advance my own ambitions. And lastly, God called me to plant a gospel-centered church where other people could come to know God like this. And last week, I got to take a moment to reflect and thank God over this past decade. By his grace, I have grown in wisdom and it has made my whole life better. Now, just so you don't miss what I'm saying, I am not saying I am wise or I have wisdom. I'm saying I'm walking the path. I've been on the path. When I compare who I am now to my 30-year-old self, super wise. <laughs> if I stay on the path, I pray that my 50th will be better than my 40th. But if I get off the path, if I get off the path, things, is, things are going to go downhill fast. The book of Proverbs is about finding that path, the path of wisdom. Now, this is really important because what we fail to realize is that our life is a journey. And we're all traveling some path. And the end of our life isn't just a destination, but a condition. It means you're not just going somewhere, you're becoming some type of person. You aren't just walking towards heaven or hell. You are always walking towards becoming either more wise or more foolish, always. We are all on a path of becoming a certain type of person. And we become that person one decision at a time. Now here's the problem. Most of those decisions are not black and white. Some people say that the, I've heard people say this, it's terrible, but the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth, right? Or this is the guidebook to life sometimes. Well, first off, it's not the guidebook to life. It can help direct us, help teach us about God, teach us the path of salvation. But if you're just going to kind of, you know, live the Bible in a sense, you're not going to have the answers to a whole lot of questions most of the time. Important questions. Like, who should I hang out with? Whose advice should I take? Should I go to college? Anybody find that Bible verse? Which college should I go to? What should I major in? What career field should I choose? What job should I take? What house should we buy? Who should I marry? People have been looking for that verse for a long time. And they're pretty sure when they made the decision that they've made the wrong one, right? But they can't, the, the Bible doesn't give us clear answers to that. How should I spend my time every day? How should I spend the money that God gives me? How many kids should we have? When should I retire? What should I do when I retire? What church should we attend? 
All of these important decisions, decisions that really can determine the direction of our life. And yet the Bible doesn't give clear black and white answers to most of these questions. Instead, we have the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, obviously, it's filled with Proverbs. And Proverbs are meant to teach us this thing called wisdom. Now, what are Proverbs? Proverbs are kind of short, I'm going to say short, witty statements. Listen, here's the key. That are meant to be compared and contrasted. Okay? You don't go to a proverb and just pick one out and put it on a coffee cup and say, that's my proverb. <laughs> right? Because as you study Proverbs, you realize that some of them contradict each other, right? One of them, back-to-back verses says, don't rebuke a fool in his folly. And then the next verse is, rebuke a fool in his folly unless he thinks he's wise. What's the point of that? Did, the, did, did he, you know, he wasn't clear that he was contradicting himself? No, he meant take those Proverbs into your mind, meditate on them, pray about them, think about them, and decide which one is the most appropriate for this situation. Should I rebuke this fool or should I just let the fool go today? See, Proverbs are meant to be absorbed. It's like the crock pot. You're meant to put something in it. You put, put these Proverbs in it and think about them and meditate on them. That means you can't just read it once through and go, oh, yeah, I get the Proverbs. I like them. No, no, no. They're meant to be meditated on for an entire life. You chew on them in your mind and as you do, you learn how to navigate kind of the gray areas of life. And that helps you grow wise. See, biblical wisdom, what Proverbs is trying to create in us, biblical wisdom is for the 90% of our real life decisions that the Bible doesn't give us clear cut rules for. This is why Proverbs 16, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Anyone can get rich. But if you aren't wise, your riches will simply make you a better resourced fool. You'll use that wealth in foolish ways that destroy your own soul, can destroy the relationships around you, and bring destruction into your own life. Over and over in Proverbs we are told that the greatest thing we can get in this life is wisdom. Chapter four, verse seven says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Just, now here, here's the question. But just, what, what is wisdom? Just what is wisdom? We learn that what wisdom is by looking at all the synonyms Solomon uses to describe wisdom in Proverbs chapter 1. So open up your Bible to Proverbs chapter 1, and let's see what he says. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, most of these Proverbs are written by Solomon. We have went through Ecclesiastes in the past. Not all of them are written by Solomon. We'll get to that later on. This is what Solomon says. To know wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? 
get your highlighter, get your pen out here because you've got a lot of synonyms coming at you. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear an increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of wise and their riddles. Now, what, what do we got going on here? We see, in, what is wisdom? Instruction, understanding, words of insight. What is insight? It's a Hebrew word called uh, baina, and it's a word that actually means, listen, to notice differences, to see fine distinctions that other people can't see. If you ever watch uh, Sherlock Holmes, right? Sherlock Holmes walks into a room. Silence your phone, please. Sherlock Holmes walks into a room and he sees all kinds of things that other people can't see, right? And what does he say? When Watson goes, how did you figure that out? Right? Is it my phone? I hope it's not my phone. It could be my phone. It's right there. It could be. I have no idea. It's not my phone. Okay. Sorry. Right? What? It's pure deduction, right? What, what happens? Sherlock Holmes walks into a crime scene and he can see 20 or 30 clues that the normal eye can't see. This is insight. You get to see options that other people don't notice. But insight doesn't just mean noticing 20 things when other people only see one or two. It also means to imagine. Now, this is interesting. Wisdom and insight is like Joanna Gaines looking at a fixer-upper. See, you go, oh, look at that terrible house. And she goes, oh, look at that terrible house. You know what we could do with that? See, wisdom, yeah, wisdom is insight. That's a part of wisdom. It enables you to see options. So some people think, my son is like this, right? My son comes to me and it's black or white. There's, one way, there's only one way this could possibly work out. And as his father, I can see, actually, son, there's five or six different options here. You didn't have to push your sister down. There was actually other options. <laughs> there was another way to handle that. All right? That's part of what it means to grow in wisdom. You start seeing options where other people's, people don't see options. It says, to receive instruction in wise dealing. Wise dealing. In righteousness, justice, and equity. Prudence is a word here. Now, prudence, nobody likes that word. We get the word prude from it. Nobody wants to be that. But Another word for prudence is shrewdness. The word prudence translates a Hebrew word that means practical, strategic. I like this word. Prudence means tactical. What does that mean? Wisdom, prudence, knows how to get stuff done. Now, I hope this is, I want this expanding kind of our understanding of what wisdom is. It doesn't just talk about things. It doesn't just think about things. Wisdom means 
to make a goal and to make strategic, a strategic plan to accomplish that goal. It knows how to get things done, to bring it into reality. Now, here's what I want us to see. So you see all this learning and guidance and wise dealing and words of insight. Wisdom is more than just information collection. Listen, you could get, if you could, it's probably coming in the future. If you could get some kind of implant in your head that gave you all the information of the internet, it would not make you one ounce wiser than you are right now. See, we think wisdom means just having all of the collective wisdom or collective knowledge of the world. No, 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 no. Wisdom is more than just information, more than, even more than skill. Wisdom involves the whole person. It isn't just having the right answer. It's being the right kind of person. That means it's, it's got a spiritual, it's part spiritual, it's part physical. It relates to God. It relates to the world. It relates to our relationships. It relates to our character, our ability to live well in the world before us. Wisdom isn't just another word for being smart. Wisdom is the ability to access knowledge, skill, character within a Christian worldview. And here it is. Align all of those things together under God's guidance to live a truly good life. Here's the biblical equation for wisdom as I see it. I, I put this little equation together. Hopefully it's up on the screen there. This is wisdom that we're going to develop here in Proverbs. Deep character plus straight thinking plus skilled execution is the art of living a good, God-centered life. That's wisdom. Deep character plus straight thinking plus skilled execution. If you take out any one of those aspects, you are not wise. Now, this is, this is important for us, right? We know many people who have straight thinking and skilled execution, right? But they don't have deep character. So what happens? Well, in the business world, you can become, you can have a lot of business success, right? With straight thinking and skilled execution. But what happens? All of, many times, they don't have the character to sustain it. They can get in all kind of Ponzi schemes. They can steal. They can get in all kind of stuff like that. But also, they have relation, relational failures all around them. So this guy might be a top CEO, killing it in the business world, and yet everyone around him hates his guts. Why? He doesn't have deep character. In the, in the church world, you can have kind of straight thinking. You've got good theology and you've got good execution. You're, you kind of obey all the rules, but you don't have deep character. What is that? It's called moralism. You're a rule follower who makes the gospel seem ugly to outsiders. Mean, cold-spirited, or let's take out, let's take out straight thinking. 
You've got good character. You, you love God. You've got good execution. You're good at getting stuff done, but you don't have clear, straight thinking. What happens there? You succeed in something that doesn't matter. It's crushing things of less importance. How was your day today? It was amazing. I crushed it. What'd you do? I reached level 50 in Call of Duty. <laughs> Wisdom is more than just right thinking. It's more than just deep character, and it's more than just skilled execution. It's all of those wrapped into one. Do you see why it's important? Ray Ortland says, wisdom is the grace of Christ beautifying our daily lives. Wisdom, Tim Keller says, is competence in regards, with regards to reality. Here's what wisdom is. God created the world a certain way. Wisdom learns to live within that world according to the way God built it. One way you could say it is, if, you, if you've ever worked with wood and you've, you've tried to cut wood, if you cut wood with the grain, it comes out a lot smoother. When you, you cross-cut wood, you go against the grain, it, a lot of times it splinters and it makes a mess of things. Wisdom is learning to live with the grain of the universe, the way that God made it. Why does lying very rarely pan out, Right? You lie, and then you have to lie to cover your lie. And then you're always trying to figure out, what did I tell that person? What was my story? And eventually, we get found out most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Why? Because it goes against the grain of the universe. God is truth. Why does having an affair almost always end poorly? Because it's immoral. It goes against the grain of the universe the way that God created it. See, wisdom is learning how to flourish inside the universe that God created. And God gave us laws, you know, the laws of science, gave us laws of gravity. He also gave us moral laws. And when we go against those moral laws, we get into what, what Proverbs calls destruction. We destroy our own soul. We destroy our relationships. We destroy our families. We destroy our businesses. We destroy our churches. Now, I hope you can see why wisdom is so important. Look at verse 32 real quick. For the simple are killed by their turning away, turning away from wisdom. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me, to wisdom, will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. That's saying people without wisdom, the simple and the fools, aren't just lacking good sense. They are on a path to destruction. Why? Let's take a look at this for a minute. First off, he says this. For the simple are killed by their turning away. This word simple is the word petty in the, in the Hebrew, P 
P-E-T-I. Um, and what it means, it literally means young. It means immature. It means ignorant. It means they don't know, uh, they don't know the right way to go, right? And in this text, verse 32, we kind of have, or 32 and 33, we see the simple, we see the scoffer, and we see the fool, These are three Hebrew words, and they're used throughout the book of Proverbs. The simple is a word that means young, naive people who are too unrooted or unformed to make smart decisions because they're going with the crowd. Now, this can be offensive to us, okay? What Proverbs teaches us and what the Bible teaches us is that when we come into this world, we come in as simple people, petty. We come in as fools. We come in as uninformed and unshaped. Now, what this means for us, parents, we see this in our children, I hope, they come in doing things that are quite foolish. And it is our job to bring instruction to them, to bring discipline to them in order, Proverbs says, to drive that foolishness far from the child. Now, this is contrary to what our society says parents are meant to do. Our society says that there is some kind of golden nugget. There is some kind of special snowflake in our child, and our job is to release it. Our job in our children is to give them what they want, is to find out who they are inside and stand back and go, well, that he, he or she or whatever, is, that's just who they are. And we just, we just encourage them. Dr. Jordan Peterson um, studied at Harvard, taught at Harvard, um, therapist. He has a chapter in his book, in one of his book, 12 Rules for Life, that says um, something along the lines of, don't let your children do anything that would cause you to hate them. And what he's saying is this. That behavior in your child that you can't stand, you can't stand it for a reason. It goes against the grain of the universe. No adult can stand that. And if you let your child continue in that stupid behavior, he grows up and other adults hate him. Coaches hate him. So he gets put on the sideline. He doesn't get to play. He feels bad and everybody else is out to get him. Teachers hate him. Employers hate him. And parents sit back and go, there's just something wrong with the world. No, something's wrong with your child. (laughs) The fool is alive and well in your son. Your son's screaming out obscenities. Your son pitching pitching fits in the middle of the store. That is your job, parent, to drive that foolishness from that child. Because when he pitches the fit on the football field, he'll get sidelined. And it's not the world's fault or the coach's fault. It's your fault for not driving that foolishness far from your child. When they fight with other kids, right? They bite, they pinch. They need discipline to drive that foolishness far from them. See, this is what's so hard about cultivating wisdom. Solomon says that it only comes through to those who, listen, receive instruction. Do you know what instruction is? Correction. The other word in the NLT calls it discipline. See, we come into this world as fools. 
We are meant to receive instruction, be disciplined, and grow into wisdom. Parents, it is our job to love our children into wisdom, to discipline our children into wisdom, to give them a love for wisdom, a love for correction, a love for instruction. We're not meant to back away and just let them do what they want to do and just see what's going to come of their life. That's not going to go well for them. Now, the simple, here's, here's, notice this about children. The simple means those who just kind of go along with the crowd. You ever notice, your, you ever see your kids uh, watch a commercial? Dad, you won't believe it, right? There's an ice cream maker that, blah, 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 they just go on and on. You're like, it's not really that good, son. I guarantee you, it won't work like that, right? There's a rat, you know, whatever it is. They watch it, they're like, that's the thing I've been looking for. <laughs> that's the thing. That's all advertisers love these, like every child, right? It's the one doll that will finally make me happy. Parents are like, no, it won't. Or some parents were like, give it to them for a little bit. On to the next one. The simple is the one who goes with peer pressure. This is why you don't let your children make major decisions. You have to make decisions for them. They're going to go with peer pressure. They're going to, you remember how many decisions you made just to fit in with the cool kids? I'm gonna go to that party, I'm gonna do that thing. So parents have to stand back and say, no son, I know you're mad at me right now, but no, that's not wise. No, you can't have a cell phone yet. No, you can't have a social media account yet. Why? Because you're still simple. When, when can I get one? When you show wisdom. So on your wedding day, that, I'll probably give it to you. <laughs> so that's the simple. We're gonna see this word come up over and over and over and over. It's a, it's a synonym for the fool. It's an aspect of the fool. A simple just kind of is naive and just goes with the motions and doesn't, can't really step back and go, what's going on right here? Can't really see through advertising, right? Can't really stand against the tide of what their friends are doing. They just go with the motions. Oh, the coach is saying we're all gonna play on Sunday. Okay, my kid can play on Sunday. That's the simple person. They, don't, they can't stop. But then you have this other person, the scoffer. A scoffer is kind of the exact opposite of the simple. It's a person who never really takes anything seriously because they think it's beneath them. They're self-righteous, opinionated, stubborn, hard to persuade cynics. C.S. Lewis called these type of people the people that see through everything. They see through everything and therefore never see anything. They think they see ulterior motives behind everything. And chapter 15, 12 says this, a scoffer, listen, a scoffer does not like to be reproved, corrected, disciplined. He will not go to the wise. So we saw already that a key piece to gaining wisdom is the ability to be corrected, the ability to be disciplined. And a scoffer is above discipline. A scoffer is above correction. 
They hate to be corrected, so they will never be wise. A scoffer loves their own opinion, so they surround themselves with people who are more immature than they are or less wise than they are. Now, here's the key that we need to see this. Both sides of this, the simple and the scoffer, they're both foolish. They're both on a path that's going to lead to their own destruction and demise. It says, the fool in Proverbs is the one who refuses to pursue wisdom. Look at verse 22. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? It's not good to be simple. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools, look, hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I'll pour my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. That's the key. And all of this kind of pivots on, on verse 7 of this book. I want you to look at verse 7 real quick. Verse 7 is the theme of the whole book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we distilled, this is what scholar Ray Ortland says, if we distilled the whole book of Proverbs down into one drop, it would be verse seven. What is the fear of the Lord? Now, it is not shaking in your boots. That's not what it is. The structure of this verse is itself kind of suggestive. A lot of the Proverbs have an I don't want to get into it much, but they have the A line and then a B line and the A line gives clarity to the B line and the B line gives clarity to the A line. So how does the second line help us here? Look at the second line. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The key word there is despise. That's an emotional word. A word of contempt and relational aloofness. Listen, here it is. It's the arrogance of being above instruction. Too smart for it, too good for it, too successful for it, too busy for it. Why is it that we can have success in one area of our life and then that one success, be it financial success, business success, athletic success, because we're a success in one area of our life, we think we're above correction in every other area of our life. I'm not gonna listen to that guy. I'm not gonna listen to that gal. Such a fool might be a gifted person, but they don't feel the need for God they don't feel the need for moral cleansing, for forgiveness, for a new restored relationship with God. What is the fear of the Lord? It's not cringing dread before the Lord. It's not a guilty, oh no, here comes God again. Here, listen to this from Ray Ortland. The fear of the Lord is openness to him. 
eagerness to please him, humility to be instructed by him. I love this line right here. The fear of the Lord is when we realize I am not the measure of all things. I am being measured. foolish person wants to conform reality to their own desires. The wise person sees reality, God's reality, and says, I must conform to fit in it. And what is that going to take? Repentance. See, here's where you begin to pursue wisdom. When you can look at your life and say, oh, I don't think I'm nearly as wise as I thought I was. Deep character? Oh, I just lied yesterday. Deep character? I have lustful thoughts in my heart. Deep character, I'm willing to do anything to get ahead in my career. I don't have deep character. I have very shallow character. I do the right thing when it suits my own needs, my own desires. I, fail. I don't have deep character at all. I need help. I need something to fix that. We, we say straight thinking. How many times have I thought I knew the right thing and I did it and it was absolutely wrong? I don't have clear thinking. Scripture even tells me that my thoughts are not God's thoughts. God's ways and God's thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts. What am I going to do? I have crooked thinking most of the time and skilled execution. How many times have I known the right thing and I didn't do it? How many times have I tried and I failed? See, when we measure ourselves up to wisdom, the first step on the path of wisdom would, should be, I don't measure up. I'm being measured and I'm found wanting. I am not wise. I may be wise in my own eyes. The way that seems right unto man, that, may, that way ends in death. That's another Proverbs, proverb. Can we admit, I'm not wise. I'm simple. I'm a scoffer. I'm foolish. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about being corrected? How do you feel about being disciplined? That's the first step on the path of wisdom. Admit your own foolishness, and if you can't take it, you're doomed to walk the path of fools that ends in foolishness. Isn't it strange that you look at all of those, so many people around you, and they know how to succeed in one area. They can get rich. They can make money. They can even be a billionaire. But then at the end of their life, you can see they failed at the things that matter. They didn't invest in eternal things. They didn't invest in the kingdom of God or deep relationships. We are all on the path to becoming someone. 
are either becoming more foolish or more wise. And the ultimate end of foolishness is to get to the end of your life and realize you built it on you and not on the eternal God. So as I close, how do we get wisdom? Like first step, admit you don't have it. Can we do that? I hope we have the humility to say, I don't think I'm there yet, right? How do we get it? Here's, here's what the interesting thing is as you study the Bible. And I'm gonna say this. Proverbs, though, even though it's in the Old Testament, it's still good news for bad people, okay? Because wisdom points us not just to a concept, but to a person. 1 Corinthians 1.24, Paul says, Jesus is the wisdom of God and the power of God. You read the gospels, Jesus is a genius. He's the most brilliant man to ever walk the earth. He's always confounding the scholars and the, those who are experts in law. People that were they're so good at their little niche area, right? And Jesus would step into it and just drop a bomb on them and flip them around. You go think about that for a little while. That's what Jesus did it all the time. Why? Because he was brilliant. He, he was wisdom. And of course, he wasn't just an expert in all the details of the law. He knew how to live it out. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the life of wisdom. Sinners love to be around him. Why? He had deep character. What does that mean? He had a soft heart. He loved people. He welcomed in the prostitute, the tax collector, people that society pushed away and religion pushed away. Jesus embraced. And yet he was never compromised in his own character. He had straight thinking. He had skilled execution. He, he never failed. He never sinned. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And if we stick with him long enough, God is going to make us into his image. This is brilliant. People get bored at church. If you're bored, you don't have an imagination. Read about Jesus. You walk with him long enough, God's gonna make us into men or women like him. You walk into a situation, it's not just black and white. You know how to get right to the heart of the issue. Paul says Jesus is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Jesus is the one who can save us from our own foolishness. Jesus is the one who can teach us wisdom. He's the one who shows us how to live a good God-centered life. And if you want that, listen to me this morning. If you want that, if you want wisdom, if you want that good God-glorifying life, you want to look back and go, I did what God asked me to do and I've been growing into this wisdom. Right now, if you want it, look at the cross. You see a wise man hanging there. The wisest man, the wisdom of God, the wisest man to ever walk the earth. And what's he doing? He's hanging there, dying in the place of fools like us because he loves us. This is so upside down. The wisdom of man says this is foolishness, but it's the wisdom of God. 
the wisdom of God dying for foolish people like us. You may think you're better than him, but he humbled himself for you. You may think little of him, but he does not think little of you. Look at the cross. Look away from yourself for a moment. Get out of your own perspective. Get out of your own idea about the world and yourself and everything in it and look to Jesus. Look at him and keep looking at him until your pride melts and you can say, I am an idiot, but I'm loved by the wisdom of God. You might, man, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. Keep looking. Keep looking. We were praying backstage. There is no story of man like the gospel where God humbles himself and dies for fools. No. This is so good. We're foolish. He's wise. The wise comes and dies for the foolish. And if we embrace him, he will make us wise. Listen, as you look, as the walls of pride fall down on your heart and you can say, I am foolish and I need the wisdom of God and I need Jesus, you'll not only worship him, you'll also grow wise. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for writing this story that is too good to be true, and yet it's true. And I thank you for revealing who we are. I think we all know deep down that we are bent towards being simple, scoffers, and foolish. And you didn't just give us a list of ways to be wise. You didn't just give us the Ten Commandments to grow into wisdom. Instead, you sent the wisdom of God to live the life that we can't live and to die the death that we deserve to redeem us into wisdom. That you can literally, you are literally making us into the image of your son. You are maturing us into wisdom through the gospel. God, we thank you for this. And I pray that you would keep us growing in wisdom. Keep us receiving instruction. Keep us receiving discipline. We wouldn't push away from it in our pride. That you would do good work in us and through us through the power of your son, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Would you help us believe that this morning and shape our life around that for Christ's glory and our good? In Jesus' name, amen.